Good evening and welcome to The Grill Report with Charles W. Kim and Nicole M. Wells. How are you doing tonight, Charles? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. How are you doing, Nicole? Um, hanging in there. Um, it's a little disturbing, the news that's coming out of uh, the UK. Uh, tonight we're going to be discussing the case of Alfie Evans um, and why that's important. So why don't you bring our, bring our listeners up to speed for anyone who hasn't been following this uh, very tragic story coming out of Great Britain. You know, it, it is a really tragic story, um, and I'm surprised it's not trending on Twitter with as many you know, responses you're seeing from people um, horrified by the story. Um, so Alfie Evans is a, bit, a little baby, um, 23 months, I believe, um, in the UK, who has a rare undiagnosed degenerative neurological condition. Um, he's been in the hospital since December 2016, uh, according to the BBC, um, and basically um, the UK courts have ruled that he's not um, he's not getting any better um, and he's not going to get any better because his condition is considered terminal um, so they have switched off life support and little Alfie Evans is fighting for his life in the hospital um, in the UK and uh, we should say at the point in time we're recording this podcast uh, the last report is that he's been off life support now for almost 48 hours. And that he is, according to reports, still breathing on his own and still fighting for his life. Yeah, that's correct, um, Charles. He's still fighting for his life. You know, every breath he takes, he's fighting for. Um, breathing on his own, he's, you know, hanging in there, but for how long? Um, I mean, he's been granted Italian citizenship, um by the Italian government um, in the hope that he could be brought to um, a children's hospital in um, Vatican uh, to receive treatment, experimental treatment, mind you. It's not, there's, it's not a given that he would get better with this treatment. It's experimental, but, you know, what parent wouldn't want to sit there and, you know, do anything possible for their child? So, so in this case, the child, is, it's a life-threatening situation. The parents want him to be able to go to Italy and get this care, which has been offered gratis to the child. It's experimental, and it may not work, but it is offered freely to the child, so there is no cost involved, and even even some of the costs of transport and all that are willing to be taken care of. And the British courts have said no. Basically... Um, coming down with a death sentence on the child. So, the issue is when does the state, where does the state's rights end and the family's rights begin? Or where do the family's right, where does the family's right, whether it be a baby or maybe a senior citizen in the family, where does the right of the, the people involved end to make decisions, medical decisions, and the state's right to intervene in those decisions, where should that line be? I think that's probably the where the story comes down, what the crux of it is. Absolutely. Um, I think that that's, you hit the nail right on the head. The crux of it is, you know, who gets to decide that? 
um, to my mind, and I think to most American listeners' minds, that's the family's decision. That's not the state's decision. That's not any high court's decision. That's the family's decision. And no high court has the right to tell a family they can't try to take their child somewhere to get help for a condition, you know, that, yes, he may very well die from, but at least they tried something, you know, instead of saying, you know, well, we're God, even though we're human beings, we're God, we know your child's going to die, and yeah, we're, we're just really not feeling like we're going to let you do anything about it. Um, to me, that's just sick. Um, that's just sick and twisted. Um, but this is from CNN. Um, apparently, the disagreement between the hospital and his parents over his care resulted in the referral of his case to the family division of the UK High Court, um, basically for a judge to rule on whether active treatment is in Alfie's best interests. Um, so it, was, it wasn't left to Alfie's parents to decide what's in his best interest. That was left to a high court, you know, and, and the members that sit thereon. Um, which, how exactly would they know what is in the best interest of a child? He's not their child, you know? And I don't think any parent could sit there and say that some other person, you know, would know better than they would what's best for their child. Well, you see, now, th this actually gets into a couple different areas that we can explore, and we have our whole broadcast to do that. But the first area I think that this goes into is... And this is a lot of people point to the UK and other countries that have a form of or, or completely socialized medicine. So now, because the government is basically on the hook for the costs this child will incur to be treated, they feel they have a stake in this and they have a right they're a stakeholder, and they can they can make a take a position in court to end the, the 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 treatment because they don't feel it's going to end well and it's not going to have a good outcome, and basically sentence this living being, this citizen of the crown, to death. Now, for all those out there that advocate for Medicare for all. This could be something that we could see here in America. I mean, Sarah Palin is not that far far off when she said back two election cycles ago in 2008 and was roundly criticized. Oh, she was mocked. Mocked uh, and blatantly insulted for saying that there would be such things as, quote, death panels, unquote. Well, what do you call the British High Court? that has come down with a decision saying, no, parents, you cannot treat your child. You cannot take your child out of this hospital, take him out of the country, and try to get him saved. What is that if it's not a death panel? That's, by any other name, is a death panel. What is that? Um, so, it's very easy to see if, if, if British socialized medicine can do this, if socialized medicine or health care, you know, Medicare for all comes to America and all of a sudden the government and taxpayers are on the hook for any individual's care, now all of a sudden they have, the, that entity, the state, has a say. Has a say. When the state has a say, you can be rest assured it, it's never good. Yeah, I mean, when you have bureaucrats and, and even judges, for that matter, a tribunal, 
But, but, but now we have to turn this on its head and look at it the other way. Let's say it's a situation where a woman becomes pregnant and wants to have an abortion. And we've discussed this in a previous episode, uh, episode too, as well. And she wants to have an abortion, say it's a case of rape, incest, or even a case of not rape or incest, but a case where the man responsible wants her to have the child. He's the father of the child. And she goes in front of a, of a judge and asks to have an abortion, and now the judge is going to rule whether or not that unborn child gets to live or die. So we already, this has already been decided in a lot of cases here in the United States, and so we already have, in effect, death panels. Yeah, we just haven't called them that. Um, I mean, this is probably, to most people's minds, this case is probably more what they would expect to see from a death panel. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think most people would recognize it, you know, if, if they're seeing it as wrapped up in, a, in the the term abortion, they're not seeing it as a death panel. This very clearly is a death panel. Well, yeah, this is um, a living being almost two years outside the womb. Yes. Yeah, so, which, which people like Hillary Clinton, you know, you don't have you don't have U.S. citizens' rights until you turn around and you're born. Basically. Um, so apparently last week, again, according to CNN, apparently last week, Alfie's father traveled to Rome to meet Pope Francis, um, who had expressed support for Alfie Evans's cause. Um, and apparently Pope Francis put out a tweet um, saying that he was moved by the prayers and immense solidarity shown little Alfie Evans. I renew my appeal that the suffering of his parents may be heard and that their desire to seek new forms of treatment may be granted. Um, so basically at that time, now granted he, he tweeted this about four days ago, um, at that time it was suggested, like we had said earlier, that he could be transported to Rome's Bambino Gesù Pediatric Hospital, which is a Vatican hospital and the main pediatric hospital that serves southern Italy for treatment. Um, but basically, you know, a subsequent visit and consultation with the doctors led the Roman doctors to conclude that the child's condition is irreversible and untreatable, according to a statement from the hospital that is currently refusing to release the child to the custody of his parents. And, and so, what's the name of the hospital? It's called Alder Hay. And Alder Hay, apparently four days ago, around the same time, there were some protests in front of the hospital. Yeah, I mean, according to a video on on uh, accessible on Twitter, there were protesters that were trying to storm the hospital to try and get that baby out of that hospital. And there was actually a, I don't know if it's still currently circulating, but um, there was a helicopter like a, a medevac circling above the hospital from R Rome, from the the Vatican that had come um, because they had granted him citizenship in the hopes that they would be able to take him to Italy for treatment. Um, but that, again, that was denied because these parents were not even allowed to take their child out of the hospital. Um, so, so, but with the protests and with the tweets going out and, and this going internationally viral... The story. Mm -hmm. Well, trying to again. I mean, it's not trending on Twitter, so you got to wonder what's going on with the the algorithms on Twitter that a story like this is now trending. Um, but the, but the bottom line is is that the the London or the the, the British officials 
put out a, I believe it was the police, wasn't it, for the town? Uh, Merseyside police put out a tweet um, saying that people's tweets and actions were being monitored. And the action could be taken. And that they would be acted upon, like the police would be acting upon any sort of tweets that were taken. So, I mean, you could make a tweet, you know, in in um, defense of Alfie and potentially have someone knocking on your door. I mean, it's a really subjective line as to where you draw that. You know, I mean, who's to say what's considered violent or, um, you know, offensive um, when you're speaking about a subject such as this, which touch up, touches on many nerves because, you know, there are obviously many parents out there um, that feel the the story, you know, that feel the, the pain of those parents, um, you know, and, and think about what would happen if they were to lose their child in such a manner. Um, yeah, as, as, as we say here today, I have two grandsons who are 23 months old. Two. It's pretty much the same age as Alfie. Exactly. And you look at this, and, and, and now you go back to the, the thing of why, in, in a civilized world, I suppose, let's put that in quotes, civilized that is. Why aren't we coming down always on the side of life? That's something that's very troubling. I mean, we, we look at 2018, and, and yet there, there are certain parts of these stories that we, that we come across that almost make us sound like we're in the dark ages. Well, morally, in a lot of ways, we are. Um yeah, morally in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I mean, w- why not? Well, why do we, if, if we're not going to try to save Alfie right now, with all known science and experiments and whatever, if there's a chance that we can, we can help him, as, I mean, as the world, as humanity, why block that? That makes no sense. That makes no sense. If, the, if, the, if that is the philosophy, if it's the cost, if it's the likelihood of a good outcome, and all these kind of, who knows what the future brings. But if that's the case, then why do we even bother to have hospitals? Why is it when someone dies, we'll spend 20, 30 minutes trying to revive them and stick a tube down their neck so they can breathe? That's all very expensive. I mean, I mean, it could cost you eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars every time they have to resuscitate you. And unless you're a billionaire, you know, you, um, I, I had a case. Um, my uncle was going through a, heart, a major heart operation, you know, open heart surgery, and and this was back in 1980. And according to my father, his brother. My uncle died on the table nine times and was brought back. Nine times. And it was like $9,000 every time. So right there, just bringing him back, not counting the surgery and all the rest of his, his hospitalization and care, just bringing him back was $81,000 in 1980. That's a lot of money. So, I mean, if that's, if that's our bottom line, that's all we're really concerned about here, and we're not really looking at, at the higher, you know, goals of, of life. You know, if we just look at the bottom line of money, 
why are we wasting our time with health care and hospitals? If you smoke and you die of lung cancer, so be it. If you if you eat too much and you're you're obese and you get you get heart disease or diabetes, oh well. It's just the way it goes, apparently. Um, so the Supreme Court um, in the UK dismissed Alfie's case based in part on evidence that was supplied by the hospital. Um, which claims that it, it made its decision based on the assessment of doctors from Rome. Um, High Court Justice Anthony Hayden rejected the plan to take Alfie to Rome um, and apparently ordered that Alfie's life support should end at 9 p.m. on Monday. Um, and interestingly enough, there's, um, there's a tweet put out by um, someone named Brian Kemper um, and he has a, a picture, a uh, composite picture, and on the left is Prince William and Duchess Kate and their baby, baby boy that was just born recently, and on the right is Alfie's mother and Alfie, and apparently her name is Kate too. And the caption says, A Tale of Two Kates. And the one on the left, under the royal family, says she is royalty, and her son has the best medical treatment available. And on the right, under Alfie and his mother, it says she is not royalty and is fighting for her son's life as medical treatment is being denied. And in his tweet, he said, The world awaits the name of First Kate's baby and watches First Kate's baby being denied. Human rights and dying without medical treatment. If only he was a royal baby, he would be saved. And it is in another article, you know, Kate and William, their, their son was born in a private hospital. They weren't they didn't they didn't take their their kid to the British state run hospital. Oh, it was a private hospital. Of course. Why would you go through the NHS? That's just waiting to you, die. You're only the future king of England. Why would you why would you put your why would you put your your son in the hands of peasants? Why would you? Um, I mean, that's the bottom line. They can sit here all they want to and say how wonderful their socialized medicine is. How everybody has health. Well, Alfie has health insurance. Whole lot of good that's doing him right now as he's dying. And being denied care. Don't sit there and say, it can't happen. It does and it is. Right in front of us, right now, a baby, a 23-month-old boy, is taking everything in him to gasp for breath to live and the state is telling him you don't deserve that well not even just the UK state it's Alfie's parents appealed to the European Court of Human Rights which rejected their application on Monday declaring the complaint inadmissible yeah inadmissible you know your son well he's inadmissible we just, we can't be bothered to take that up. So, run along now. Um, just, you know, if they're going to die, they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. In the words of, you know, England's most famous son. But he was allowed to live. Charles Dickens. You know, he was allowed to live. But, you know, but people sit there, and when you look at this, and in the next, you know, as, as we continue, continue with this discussion, we're going to bring this more and more over to our shore here. But the people that sit there and say, well, this can't happen. 
No, of course not. No, no, no. You're silly if you think this was... It's happening, folks. Wake up. Wake up. This isn't a conspiracy tin hat theory here. This is being reported on international media. Maybe here in the United States we're not paying that much attention to it because it's Great Britain, it's over there, it's across the pond. And hey, we fought them, we got our independence from them, we're not them, we're not them. We're a lot closer to them than you think, folks. Miraculously, contrary to all the expectations of the doctors, who know so much, um, Alfie's continued to breathe independently on his own after they shut off his, his ventilator. Um, and so his, his father, Tom Evans, posted a video on Facebook in which he said that his son had been breathing for himself and apparently the doctors were refusing to give him oxygen. What kind of sick hospital doesn't give a dying baby oxygen? What kind? Well, do you know how much that oxygen costs per minute, Nicole? I mean, heavens. Ugh. Hey, we, well, um, if he's going to die, why, why, why waste the air? Why waste air on him? Um, yeah, I mean, apparently, according to this report from CNN, he continued to breathe unaided, and the hospital staff refused to help with either ventilation or hydration, despite his coughing. They won't even give him liquid. They won't even hydrate him. And about 2 a.m. Tuesday, apparently the staff provided some hydration and oxygen support, according to his mother, who reported this on Facebook. Well, there's also there's also a report. There's a couple different reports out there. One is that um, Al- Alfie's parents were first indignant with the hospital staff because of all this, this that's going on. Well, they took him to court. I'd say that's pretty indignant. But then that they met with the hospital, and after that meeting the parents came out and praised the professionalism of the staff that was giving Alfie care. Wonder what kind of what happened in that meeting. There's also another report out, which is based on a, a supposed off-the-record comment from one of Alfie's doctors that um, they would have helped or would help a lot more if Alfie's parents had a better attitude. Really? Because that factors into whether or not you do your job. I mean, geez, let, let I me, should just stop doing my job. Now, for, for those of you that don't know, we'll just go over this real quick again. Um, Nicole also works as a vet tech, which is kind of a, a nurse, and in some cases as an emergency room nurse, to animals. And she works in a practice that I'm sure she has seen her share of pet owners that aren't necessarily the most gracious and appropriate people in the world. No, I mean when when you're when you feel that your pet is um you know being mistreated or you know they're they're panicking, um they're freaking out, you know, you you question the care they're getting because you yourself are panicking. Um yeah, I mean there's a lot of things that people have said along the way, um, but you don't you don't deny their pet's care, withhold treatment from their pet um, based on some sort of grudge or slight that you felt from you know their owners. Um, well, the bottom line is, even if the owner comes in and hits you with every 
every name in the book, if that pet needs something medically, you will do your professional best to give that animal care. Am I not right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's just... You're not going to say, oh, well, the owner called me a dirty word, so let the dog die. No, you would never say that. Of course not. You would never say that. Um, but that's what they're saying in this case. Yeah, I mean, these are obviously... Well, the human. I mean, if that if that is truly what was said, then that person is obviously not a professional and should be removed immediately from their position. Um, because if you can't act like a professional when you have human lives in your care, um, you just don't deserve to be there or belong there. Um, and good, now, this is an off-the-record remark. Who knows if it's right or not? Yeah, or, and that's why I said if and, it was truly made. And I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there may be some staff and doctors who may feel angered or frustrated with how relatives of a patient may treat them, questioning the care and all that. I mean, that happens. We're all human beings. We can all have those feelings, and possibly this professional mention this to a reporter, you know, with the off-the-record caveat. Of course, I do have a question for the reporter, though, being one for the last 20 years. This doctor said to you off-the-record, and you printed it anyway, ah, major ethical violation there, pal. No matter how good the story is, that's a major ethical violation. Um... Yeah, so apparently Alfie was granted citizenship on Tuesday, um, and apparently the Italian government applied to the foreign secretary for permission to intervene to save Alfie's life. Um, and there was an urgent hearing that happened on Tuesday um, to see whether or not it would, be, it would be permitted if he would be able to travel. Um, again, I, I, I just find all of this utterly absurd as to you know, why people who are not his parents are determining what's in his best interest. But regardless, um, we go along through the narrative. Um, apparently, um... And, and also, just, you know, for those of you who may not be really great on geography, from the United Kingdom to Italy is like basically going from New York to Indiana. I mean, it's not that far. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's um, not a tremendous. It's not like oh wow, you know, like if you had to go from here to the, to Great Britain for care, okay, that's a major transatlantic flight, and you know the travel and all that. Literally, with a helicopter, you can do it over there because it's like the states are together here. That that's the kind of thing you're looking at. So it's not a tremendous distance, or not comparatively to other continents. Yeah, no, it's it's not that far at all. Um, there's a user on Twitter um, with the handle Kitty um, that brought up a good point, and um, they said that Stephen Hawking couldn't breathe or feed himself on his own either. For years. Oh, absolutely. For, for years. For a long time. Um, you know, I mean, and, and he lived to be about 70-something, yeah. I believe, with ALS. Um, miraculously, I think the world's longest surviving... Uh, known survivor with the condition. Um, you know, he was given a death sentence when he was diagnosed, and he wasn't supposed to live, you know, more than five years max, I believe. And, and then was he in his 20s or 30s? He was in his 20s, I believe, because he was in university. He, he was he was in college. Mm -hmm. Stephen Hawking was it, like a college student at the time he was diagnosed. 
and given five years. If that. So 50 years, a half century later, when he passes, he passed away. From a death sentence. From a, oh, we've got no hope for you. Now, who's to say whether Alfie Evans will be as lucky as, as Stephen Hawking was? But to not give Alfie Evans the opportunity to live, that's, that's a very dark, dark-looking thing. There's a professor... Um, he's a consultant neonatologist at the John Radcliffe Hospital and director of medical ethics um, at the Oxford Uhiro Center for Practical Ethics at the University of Oxford. Um, his name is Dominic Wilson, or excuse me, Dominic Wilkinson. Um, and he basically said that, um, this is a quote from him, sometimes the sad fact is that parents do not know what is best for their child, they are led by their grief and their sadness, their understandable desire to hold on to their child, to request treatment that will not and cannot help. I just want to know how Mr. Wilkinson seems to know so much. Um, granted, he's a doctor, but doctors are not God. Um, you know, doctors do make mistakes. Obviously, they made a huge one in Stephen Hawking's case. And, you know, who knows what we would not know today had Mr. Hawking been, you know, well... Sorry, but your 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 care, your treatment—it's just too expensive. Um, we just can't allow you to continue. Well, well, here, here's something, and I'll share this. And it's a little hard to share, but it's a true story. Uh, my dad was really sick. He had congestive heart failure, was diabetic, and had survived renal failure. And he was hospitalized for the flu and stopped breathing. So they, they ventilated him. They put a tube down his neck. And he was on life support. And the doctors came to me and said, you know, th this is up to you. And my father survived I believe it was 72 hours around in there 48 to 72 hours and it was hard it was so hard I mean I have no brothers or sisters and my mother was already passed it was so hard for me to 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 make that decision, I called up my one uncle, my mom, my mother's brother, and he was a the lead anesthesiologist at a hospital here in New Jersey for a number of years, and he was retired. And I called and I asked him, you know, my father, you know, he stopped breathing, and, it, and you know, my uncle said to he said, you know, I wish I could help you with this one, but. There's no. Sometimes, you know, he he could survive for weeks, months. He could survive for years. He could die tomorrow. 
the odds of him making a full recovery and coming back where they could remove the tube and, and all that wasn't really good. But was there a chance? Of course there was a chance. And when you're sitting there with a member of your own family, your blood, who's going through this, it's really hard to let go. It's really hard to not want to hold on to even the slimmest shred of a possibility that it will be all right. In the case of my father, and this is my own belief, God intervened. Um, I During one of the visits, all of our family that was there was around him. And I had been there for a while, and being a smoker, I wanted to run outside the hospital, grab a cigarette. My nerves were shot. And the doctors, you know, had kept, not, they weren't really pressuring me, but <laughs> they were pretty consistent with, you know, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, they, they have practical concerns, too. You know, if this person is going to die, you know, that bed needs to be cleared at some point, you know. It, it, there are other concerns, and I certainly can understand that, especially in my father's situation. So, I went down, I had my cigarette, and I spoke to my, who I mentioned, my, uh, my father's brother, who was still alive at the time. And he said, you know, Charlie, whatever you want to do, I back you up 100%. I can't make the decision for you, but I back you up 100% whatever you decide to do. And as I went out there and I thought and I thought, and I came to the conclusion that I was going to go back inside and tell the doctors to pull the plug. Because when I looked at my father, I could tell by looking in his eyes that he really wasn't there. Now, you know, you can say what you want to and, you know, what you believe happens between life and death and after. That really doesn't matter at this point when you're in this situation. In my judgment, I looked at my father, I looked in his eyes and he wasn't there. And I decided then that I should let him go. And as I was walking back in to, uh, to the hospital... Got on the elevator, went back up to the second floor where the ICU ward was. The doctors came out. And just while I was outside having a cigarette, my father passed away. And I remember turning and hugging my uncle and saying, Thank God I didn't have to make that decision. God, in my mind, this is my belief. Please don't jump down my throat for having it. God intervened. And took that burden off my shoulder. It's hard. And I tell you that story. And that's a, a deeply personal story to say. And yeah, I'm emotional. Yeah. 1993. You know, 25 years later, I'm still... Yeah. But I tell you that story because I understand... In a very personal way, I understand 
the agony these parents are going through. And I mean, and this is, I'm talking about when my father was 65 years old, he had had every disease in the book. And I, when he went through renal failure, when he, his kidneys were failing and he was in pain, you know, I, he'd do a night, he'd call up and, and, and wish to die. So I would kind of even prepared myself for that. I can't even imagine being a parent with a baby. A young life just starting out. And having to be put in that position and make that kind of decision. And for the state to come in and force a decision like that on a family. There wow. is another set of parents that understands what that feels like. Um... I don't know if any of our viewers, um, listeners have, have heard, um, but Alfie Evans is the second British baby that this has happened to. Charlie Gard, which I believe passed away last year, if I remember correctly, um, Charlie Gard also had a, what was said to be a um, fatal genetic condition that there was no recovering from. Um, and he also was basically condemned to death by the state. This is the second go-round for the Vatican in trying to save a baby like this with a condition that is, is thought to be fatal, that is genetic, um, that there is no coming back from. Charlie Gard was the first, and um, apparently from the reports I've seen, his parents support Alfie's parents and are trying to campaign um, to change the law in England so this never has to happen to another another family in England. They never have to listen to some high court pontificate about, you know, what's in the best interest of their child, um, as if they know. Um, you know, as if the, the doctor's pronouncements are straight from the mouth of God. Um, you know, and and so that there is um, hopefully going to be a, a push in the UK to overturn these laws that allow, um, you know, the courts to take away the family's rights. You know, that allow the courts' rights to trump the natural rights of parents um, over what happens to their children, the type of care that they receive. Um, it's just disturbing. Um, you know, and it's sad that there are two sets of parents out there in the UK that are bound by this unspeakable horror of having their child sentenced to death by the UK High Court. Even in the last couple of years? In the, in the, yeah, absolutely. In the last couple of years, it's been at least, I, I'm fairly certain, I don't remember the exact date. It hasn't been that long. But I remember, I remember talking about it, I believe, last year that Charlie Gard went through the same nightmare and his parents went through the same you know, legal wranglings trying to get, you know, their son away from the hospital that he was in and over to, to this hospital in the Vatican to try some experimental treatment and see what could be done for him. There's um, an article that came out in the National Review, April 26, by David French, who's a senior writer, and the headline is, Alfie Evans foreshadows a dark American future. And I just want to read to you a little bit right at the top of, the, of this piece because I think it really speaks to, as I said, we want to bring it kind of over here, across the, across the pond, back to America. And the article starts out, yes, it could happen here. How? 
How does a nation reach a point where it will essentially kidnap a child from a loving, functioning family, yank that same child off life support, deny him care as he unexpectedly fights to stay alive, and then block attempts by a foreign government to rescue him and provide him top-notch care free of charge? How does a great civilization sink to such barbarism and tyranny? That's uh, David French, he, a very good writer. That was a great, a great opening to a piece. Because this is so much bigger, and the the story that he goes into is is basically takes it from two different levels. One is the the practicality of policy, and the other is from the more, I guess, ethereal philosophy. And you know, when we're talking about things like nationalizing health care, Medicare for all. You know, there are, like I said, you know, with the doctor with my father, you know, there are practical considerations. I mean, certainly if my father is dying and on his way out, and there's somebody coming in downstairs who needs the bed, who's just had a gunshot, who's 25 years old, and needs that space to live, you know, at some point in time, in some situations maybe after a mass, mass casualty event or something like that, sometimes these decisions have to be made, whether it be in triage or... Yes, we know that. Nothing is ever going to be perfect. Nothing is going to be perfect for everyone all the time. And we understand that at times, hard decisions have to be made. But in the normal course of things, the normal course of things, to basically do, like, like David French said, you know, you are kidnapping a child from a loving, functional family. This isn't a family that was abusing the child, you know, and had to have Child Protective Services come in and take the child away for the child's safety. That's not the case. Take that, yank that same child off life support. I think yank is a good word. Deny him care as he unexpectedly fights to stay alive, which means, you know, it's like, the, it's, it's like the, almost like the 2016 election, you know. It, it, the doctors all say this guy, oh, he's going to die, he's going to die, he's going to die. Well, the child's not dying. It wasn't supposed to happen this way. It wasn't supposed to happen this way. So what are they doing? They're doubling down. Instead of saying, oh, goodness. Maybe this baby, maybe this one in a million has a reason to live and is fighting with all that he has to live and shouldn't we at least match his fight and give him that chance? No. They're doubling down. Oh no, well, now he's really going to die. <laughs> Every breath he takes on his own, that means more and more likely he's going to die. Which is stupid. And what does that say, though? I mean, how sick of a society does that indicate we've come to be when when something doesn't go the way you said it would go you know and it's a living being you double down on your efforts to kill it just to prove yourself to right prove a point <laughs> just so you don't you were right you know that that somehow or other your pronouncement came to pass you, you, you know you, you know it's that's incredibly sick you know it's funny and you do hear some stories along this kind of line 
but they usually go the other way. They usually go with a situation like this happens, and the doctor comes in and says, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't think this, this child's going to make it. But then, you know, the child does rallies like this, and the doctor rolls up his sleeves and tries even harder, and, and the patient tries even harder, and the doctor tries even harder. And next thing you know, fast forward to 16, 18 years later, the kid's graduating high school, and the doctor comes up to him, and it's like, you know, you made me look like a total fool, and I'm so glad you did. Well, there won't be any more of those stories no. in the next 20, 30 years if we keep at this rate because we'll have gotten rid of all of the children that may have made some doctor look like a fool. But, but as a doctor, wouldn't you... Man, if, if I want to screw up as a doctor, that's how I want to screw up. You would think. I want to screw up and have that child looking at me 20 years later and say, you proved me wrong. God is great. No, no, no. Now it's it's your reputation. Oh, preposterous. Oh, then this baby's going to live? Oh, dear, no. We can't have that. We, matter of fact, we're not even going to give him op- oxygen. We may not even hydrate him. We're not going to even give him a chance. Because we don't want to look stupid. You know, sometimes, and I've learned this in journalism for the last 20 years, sometimes the people with the most letters and degrees beyond their names are some of the stupidest people on the planet. They don't have the common sense that God gave a lightning bug. At least the lightning bug can shine a little light on something. Might be able to see a little bit. Well, science, you know... Shining lights. No, no, no. Well, that's a whole (coughs) separate discussion. But, you know, one of the things that, again, in this article by David French, you know, we fought a war, and he goes back to 1776, you know, and one of the founding principles of our nation is that all men are created equal and are, quote, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, including life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Life, folks, endowed by their creator, given from God. It's not up to the state to take away a gift given to you from the from your creator. Now, once you once you get to all this, You know, if we're we're a country that supposedly promotes individual liberty, why would we give the state so much power? You know, I heard something kind of on the other end of the spectrum, going to Planned Parenthood and then again back to the abortion debate. And one of the members of Turning Point USA and... and, um, uh, Candace Owens, who's who's gotten re- recently a lot of a lot of press, who is a black woman with conservative values, and she said it was it was harder for her to come out as a conservative. It would been easier to come out to her parents as being gay or trans transgender or something like that, rather or an alcoholic, a drug addict than telling her parents that she had conservative beliefs. She's an independent, by the way. Politically, she's not a Republican or a Democrat. She is an independent. 
who has conservative beliefs. And, you know, she, what she's trying to do is she is trying to, to wake some people up that the, the things that you're being fed by the media and, and from the state and everything, you know, is taking away from the individual liberties that we have. And that freedom, you know, is something that you have to believe within yourself that you can achieve the things that you're meant to achieve. And it's not up to the society, even starting at schools. Because what, what it, one thing she said is that when you, when you start off and you go and you're told you can be whatever you want to be, and then the school spend the next 13 years tearing that down away from you, telling you why you can't. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of that going on in the schools today, um, but that's even if you're allowed to get to school. You know, Alfie Evans may not make it to school. But know? but the point is, is that the state cannot have this much power. I think we're in general agreement about that. Um, I think coming from our perspective as Americans, you know, instead of subjects of the British Crown, I think. Um, our perspective is very different on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Although, you know, that notwithstanding, I think that even, you know, British citizens who um, don't come from the background that we do um, in being, you know, having fought a revolutionary war for our freedoms, um, not coming from that background, you know, even the British public, um, you know, I think is is appalled by this um, vast overreach of the state, you know, um, into the lives of a family um, and the destruction of a family. David French has another really good line in here, I think. With no God over the state, the state then becomes not only the defender of liberty, but the definer of liberty. So you can only have whatever freedoms the state tells you you can have. And we see this with, um, with freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, with a whole host of things here in America now, today, that are being, being challenged. That these freedoms are not given to you by God, and our government is there to protect to make sure you have them. No, our government is here to tell you which ones you can have, and how much of it you can have. Well, I think we've talked about this before, um, just in a slightly different um, variant. Variant, excuse me. Um, we had talked previously about um, what is going on with the American family today, and why society is as messed up as society is. Um, and I think that right there, in a nutshell, is the reason you have an, a growing number of people that do not believe in any authority over themselves or the country except for themselves and other people in the country. Um, they do not believe that there is a God um, that, you know, transcends the state, that is above the state. Um, they believe that the state is the highest level. And once you start believing that, 
um, you know, you, you, you give, you seed your liberties to the state little by little. Um, and that's how eventually you wake up one day and you wonder how exactly you got there. Well, there's another great, um, rather than, this is again David French quoting from the National Review article, rather than protecting the rights of the child only when the parents have failed, have manifestly failed, the state has decided that it is the greater, better parent. You remember back, uh, years back when Hillary Clinton wrote that book, it takes a village about education, educating children. That's what that was, that was beginning the indoctrination that the state can do better than parents in bringing up children. Now, there's a difference in using the resources of the community or the village to aid in the end, but the core values, the foundation for any individual has to come from the home. And I would even argue the home and church and religious community. Where do you think the founders got all of their brilliant ideas from? I mean, the founders, say what you want about the founders being, you know, I, I don't even know what to call them at this point because there's so many ridiculous storylines circulating about the founders. Um, they were products of their time. Um, yes, some of them were slaveholders. That's historical fact. You know, we haven't completely rewritten that yet. Um, but, you know, the, the founders were, were products of their time, and, and their time was that you believed in a god. You know, you believed in the natural family. Um, these were the, the fabrics, you know, the, the bindings of society. You know, and when you lose those too much, you don't have a fabric anymore. You have a mess. It's just a bunch of pieces of something on the floor. You know, it's, it's when everything is woven together tightly that you have fabric of society. Um, and, and they came from a time in which it was widely believed that there was a god. You know, that you behaved in such ways because that was the natural order of things, because that's how you were taught in the home, and that's because how you were taught in church to behave. You behaved like civilized human beings, not like wild animals. Um, you know, they, they, that's where all of, all of American society stems from. Um, and to lose sight of that, you know, we're headed down a dangerous path. Very dangerous. And this has such, you know, far-reaching implications. We, one of the big things, you know, that the progressive folks right now, you know, are really pushing for is this Medicare for All socialized medicine. And it sounds really good. Yeah, yeah who doesn't? Everybody, everybody gets to go and, and, you know, you have your health insurance all the time. And you're covered, no matter what happens, you're covered. Well, but, on somebody else's dime, but yeah. But, well, even if you're earning and, and you're kicking in, this, the point of it is, is that the decision-making power 
is taken away from you. And the quality of the care that you receive can become compromised through a bureaucratic, disincentivized system. Like the one Alfie Evans is being subjected to. As he fights for his life. Mm-hmm. And that's a good place to end, I think, tonight. So I think... I think we should just implore all of our readers, listeners, viewers, in all various forms of media, um, to say a prayer for Alfie Evans and his family, his parents who are fighting to get him care, um, even within the own hospital, um, in his own country, they're fighting to get him care, um, and just say a prayer for him, uh, that he pulls through, and we'll leave it at that. So this is uh, Charles W.